So as this is one of our final episodes of the year, if not the final episode of the year, I will need to just check the order. Oh God, I need to check the order before I say stuff like that. Christ. We definitely have Alice's favourites coming up. No, we have this. Jenny's favourites coming That's up. That's not Jenny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm Alice. <laughs> yeah, you're Alice. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the book club today alice and i are going to be talking to you about wrapping up our reading year talking a little bit about the books that we want to read by the end of the year how our reading has been going and how our reading goals are going i am joining you from the wonderful city of indianapolis and alice where are you joining us from today i'm joining you from london where it is absolutely pouring with rain and incredibly miserable generally november weather Oh, how stereotypical. Love to see it. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things that I think is really nice in theory. And given that we've had a really dry, mild autumn so far, everyone's been like, oh, it's, you know, quite strange. We need some proper autumnal weather. And now the autumnal weather has hit and everyone has remembered the autumn in London is not cold, crisp and clear. It is (laughs) wet and miserable. So it's great. We've had the driest, coldest, crispest autumn here in Indiana, and it's been so wonderful. And the thing is that, like, really dry autumns make for the best vibrant leaves. Mm -hmm. So, like, everywhere you go right now in Indiana, it's just, like, the reddest reds and yellowest yellows. It's calmed down a little bit now, and um, we had a really bad windstorm over the weekend, and it knocked the leaves off of most of everything. So, it's a bit sad and dreary now, but we had a really beautiful autumn up to that point. Oh, I'm very jealous. It's actually still really green here. It's really, it's really quite strange that that's how mild it's been. And I'm just feeling like we're very, very abruptly going to go from very mild to absolutely freezing, nothing on the trees and year is going to be done. And I don't know about you, but I think this year has absolutely flown by. It's just, it's just vanished. And I'm not sure if that's because the last two years have been so curtailed by like lockdowns and covid and everything whereas this year at least in the uk has been a pretty normal ish year i don't think we've had any lockdowns this year touch wood let's hope that we don't have any (laughs) there's still like (laughs) nearly two months of the year left and it's meant that we've been able to kind of do all of the regular stuff through the year and i think that's made it feel much quicker in comparison to the last couple where it's been months on end of you can't do anything. You've got to stay at home and maybe go for a walk once a day. And it's just flown. It's insane. I can't get over it. Absolutely flown by. Absolutely flown by. It's been ridiculous. But I guess we should get into some reading. Have you been reading anything interesting lately? So I have been listening to fiction audiobooks, which is shocker to everyone, including myself. I basically had a couple of audible credits because I think I mentioned before through my mobile phone provider I got a free audible subscription for six months and I had a couple of credits left to use at the end of that so I thought do you know what I'm just gonna risk it I'm just gonna try and I've listened to two audiobooks by Lucy Foley I'm not sure have you heard of her she's the crime writer right the guest house or something the guest list 
the guest list. That's so it. she's actually, she's really prolific. I was just looking her up. And her first book was published in 2016. And she's had four others published since then, which I think is, you know, five books in six years, I think is really, she is, <laughs> yeah. you know, churning them out. They're quite good, actually. The audiobooks I've really enjoyed. So I've listened to The Guest List and The Hunting Party. And I listened to The Hunting Party first. And I will say I preferred that to The Guest List, possibly because they do both follow fairly similar structures. And the there's a lot of similarities between the plots, which I'll come on to. But the audiobooks are really well done because they are basically full cast audiobooks. So it's like listening to an audio play, really, rather than a novel, which I think is why I've enjoyed actually listening to them in this format. Yeah, so The Hunting Party follows a group of university friends who are now in their early-ish 30s and they get together every year for New Year's Eve, regardless of what else they do. And each year, somebody in the group has books them somewhere to go and stay and they do a kind of party amongst themselves. And this year, the newest member of the group, so one of the university friends, girlfriends, has booked a very, very remote part of Scotland, uh, or booked a house in this very remote part of Scotland. And as we learn very early on in the book, there is a murder, there is a death. And what's really interesting about both The Hunting Party and The Guest List is you find out very, very early on that there's been a death, but you don't know in either book until very, very late on actually who has died, let alone who the suspects might be. And for me, knowing that structure when I listened to the second one made it a little bit less enjoyable, but it was actually, for me, it became really good because as well as it being a whodunit, it was kind of a why done it as well. So what's happened to kind of cause the death of this person? It's not very clear for right from go, in fact, it's really unclear in both books that I listen to who the victim is. The Hunting Party builds in a much clearer way. There's a couple of really nice twists that I really didn't see coming. As soon as I looked back on them, I thought, yeah, they've been, there have been the breadcrumbs there. With the guest list, I found there were more twists, but they felt slightly less plausible to me there were a few coincidences that I thought really is that actually something that we think is likely whereas with the hunting party these twists felt much more realistic and much more possible still a little bit out there but I could kind of get on board with them but I will say Lucy Foley's writing is is really good it's very pacey her character development is really very good actually if you're looking for a kind of not Christmassy, because neither of them are set at, well, the hunting party set at New Year. But if you're looking for a good wintry, cosy crime book, hers are very good. And I would actually, I would really recommend. I I enjoyed both of them a lot more than I thought I was going to. Hmm. Those sound really good. I've actually been wanting to try those for a little bit, actually, because I've been trying to get into a bit more crime. And it's just so hard, because I don't read hardly any crime, but I've not kept up with the genre. It's so hard to find, like, good entries, you know, like, I've been enjoying Tana French, but, you know, 
I want to do more, keep up a little bit more current stuff, find maybe people that aren't talked about all the time, like Tana Friendship. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that sounds pretty good. Mm. I would, yeah, as I say, the hunting party is set around this lodge in Scotland, really beautifully described setting. The guest list is set around a wedding that's on an island off the coast of Ireland, and also very beautifully described setting. But for me, the hunting party probably pips it. So that would be my top recommendation. I also probably wouldn't recommend reading two of them back to back because it probably was overkill. (laughs) Notice the patterns. Mm, Absolutely. How about you? What have you been reading? My currently reading, though, comes with a little bit of a story, a little bit of a used bookstore shopping story. Excellent. I love these. So this is the craziest used bookstore shopping story I have had in a long time. Probably ever. Um, And to give you a little bit of a background, there is a press called Subterranean Press, which if you don't keep up with like very niche science fiction and fantasy community, you probably don't know about. And what they do is that they publish very high quality, limited edition books of like very established authors. So they'll go to an author that has something out and they'll say, let's run a really limited uh, release run of like a thousand books, 500 books, whatever it's going to be. And these nice hardbacks and you'll sign them and we'll sell them and they'll become collector's items. They're quite rare. They can become extremely expensive, especially for example, like the Game of Thrones ones, their subterranean press edition copies. A full set I saw selling online for $20,000. <gasps> That's absurd. I mean, I've just looked these up and they do look really quite beautiful. Yeah. And I can see how they would mm-hmm. develop quite the following, but 20000 yes. for a set of books is quite extreme. Yes, quite extreme. So there, I'm actually part of a Facebook group called like Subterranean Press Readers where people are like selling books and stuff all the time just to like keep out keep my eye out on some like really i'm not somebody that's gonna buy a lot of these obviously but you know for some of my favorite authors i'd like to keep you know my nose to the ground see if i can find a deal on some of them anyway point is i every time i go to the used bookstore i immediately go to the robin hobb section and i just look to see if i can find any first edition hardbacks of her realm of the elderling series to collect and they didn't have any of those but what they had bizarrely were three copies of the subterranean press editions of her short story collection, The Inheritance. Oh, Each wow. of them was signed in brand <gasps> new condition. Oh my god, did you, so I assume you bought all three? Oh, I didn't buy all three because I did not have the money for all three. But I did buy myself one. But what I was shocked by was I was thinking, how did they get three copies signed? Like, the same person clearly sold these to the store. Like, three individual people in Indianapolis did not all have beautifully signed first edition copies of this Subterranean Press limited edition book that they all sold simultaneously to the bookstore. No way. No. Also, when I said I assume you bought all three, I was kind of imagining... A, book, a used bookstore that maybe didn't know what it had and had massively, like, massively underpriced them. Sorry, just to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they knew they had, unfortunately. And so then I started looking around in the science fiction and fantasy section, and they have nearly a hundred subterranean press copies <gasps> in their used section. Brandon Sanderson, Joe Abercrombie, huge name, Stephen Erickson. And some of them were like fairly cheap, like $50. And some of them, like the ones that were behind the counter, they were selling for $700. And so I asked the guy, I was like, 
what is going on here? Why do you guys have just like a ton of these subterranean press copies? And they were all in brand new condition, like never been touched. And he said that he had no idea, but they're assuming that somebody lives in the area that works for the publisher and just sold them to half price books. That's absolutely incredible. Wow. I know. All that to say, I got this bad boy, which I'm showing <gasps> off to Alice of the inheritance. That's very really lovely. Beautiful. It, it really is. And it, is literally pristine. Yeah, pristine. So it's signed. And Robin Hobb, she has two pen names, Robin mm-hmm. Hobb and Megan Lindholm, that she uses to write like different kinds of stories. Like Megan Lindholm writes more like science fiction-y, less epic fantasy, and then Robin Hobb writes for epic fantasy. So she has stories in here published under both pen names. So she actually signed the book as both pen names. So it's really cool. Wow. So yeah, I've actually been reading it. And it's very good. Um, So I read the first story, which was called A Touch of Lavender, which is a very creepy, interesting take on an alien story where these aliens have shown up from this um, planet. And the aliens have shown up um, as like religious, they're seeking religious refuge as exiles because they're being religiously persecuted on their home planet. And they are very reclusive. And the government knows that they hold the secret to space travel, but they're refusing to tell the American government, like, how to do it. But the American government wants to, like, keep in this community's good graces, so they've been, like, spending a lot of, like, money to put them in affordable housing and take care of them. And the poor people, particularly on the western coast, have been feeling a lot of resentment about the fact that, like, these aliens are getting a whole bunch of money and resources that, like, our own poor people are not getting. And you're following the story of this, like, poor family where one of these aliens just comes into their house and starts living with them. And they secrete this mucus that's, like, addictive. And you can actually get, like, hooked on this mucus. And you follow the story of, like, what happens next. (laughs) Oh my god, that sounds actually really interesting. <laughs> it's really good. It's like really beautifully written. Um, it's one of Robin Hobb's earliest stories, and it definitely is dated, I would say, just in kind of how on the nose the commentary is at times and stuff like that. Um, but it's really quite interesting, and it was really fascinating and fun, and it was really nice to read Robin Hobb in short story form, which is something I had not done uh, up until this point. What a great story, though, as well. That is absolutely incredible that there's somebody, somebody out there in your city. But it's, what's also quite incredible is that they would just sell them, which obviously they would know that these are collector's items, yes. that there's a lot of love for them and there's a real market for them. And to just sell them to a local used bookstore rather than kind of going down the eBay route or the specialist yes. collector route is really quite bizarre. It's so bizarre. The only thing I can really think happened, like my kind of gut feeling, is that somebody who worked for the press died and then their son, their daughter, their next of kin didn't really know what they had. Maybe knew what they had to some extent, you know, knew these were collector items books and just figured out I'll sell these half-price books. But if they had sold these each individually on eBay, they could have made thousands of dollars. On that as I said before, Rob's sister and her husband own a used bookstore in Edinburgh. And mm. a lot of the way they get their books is exactly like that. It's through, it's through probate. So, you know, after somebody dies, their children will say, come and have a look at this massive collection we've got. And they find some incredible first editions, early editions, and real like niche curiosities. So they've had, they've had like, site they've uh, i'm just having a look on kind of their website because they've put some of the early editions and stuff on online because 
why not just through their own website rather than selling through like specialists but some of the stuff they sell through proper kind of book traders and they've got first UK editions of oh they had a first UK edition of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance they had a first edition of The Female Eunuch by Jermaine Greer I know they've had a first edition of The Years by Virginia Woolf like absolutely incredible stuff by the way people should go on to Till's Bookshop and their website if you're interested in this kind of thing because they do share quite a lot of what they find and they obviously you know will give people a good price if they come across something good but also sometimes they'll just be given a massive box of books and something really impressive will be sort of buried away in the middle of it that they didn't know was there and that people didn't know that they were giving away which is yeah quite incredible keep an eye on your books people (laughs) i feel so sad for like when somebody dies and they have this like massive book collection and then you know their next of kin doesn't know what to do with it i Mm. I feel sad in the sense that like it's sad they couldn't keep these valuable collectors books in their family you know which if the next of kin isn't interested in it that's you know i would like the books to go to somebody that's going to value what they are and all that so i i get that but it's also a little bit sad that like that kind of legacy can't just doesn't continue it sometimes i mean not everybody's going to be interested in books the same way that we are no more's the pity so did you share with the facebook group that you're part of no i did not share with the facebook group but (laughs) i i did share on twitter because i was just like this is crazy you know um and i there's a guy that i am friends with on twitter who um lives in my city as well and he was like Uh what bookstore is this and i was like north side half price books <laughs> it's right there and he said he went there the next day and he said it had been picked over people had gotten a hold of him wow that's incredible yeah. so there is obviously clearly a, a real community even within your city around this oh, yeah. but that's that's amazing oh how cool i love that This is where we take a little break to tell you about all of the different ways you can support the podcast, some of which are totally free. A really effective and easy way of showing your support is by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's a link in the show notes that will take you straight to the Apple Podcasts page where you can write a review. And if you listen on Spotify, you can now very easily give us a star rating. You can also share our posts on social media. We are at Bookcast Club on both Instagram and Twitter. You can sign up to our free monthly newsletter where we share even more book recommendations and all the latest podcast news. But the best way for us to find new listeners is by you telling your book-loving friends and family all about us. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, we do have a Patreon account. You can sign up for as little as £2 a month and we offer early access to the podcast, monthly bonus episodes and our top tier will get you all of the above and personalised book recommendations. We get you to fill in a survey and then we tailor our book recommendations to your preferences. And we will also send you books in the post. There are over 15 bonus episodes where you can get instant access if you sign up as a Patreon today. The link is also in our show notes. But however you choose to support us, we as always just want to say a huge thank you as we appreciate each and every one of our listeners. So as this is our penultimate episode of the year, as we don't release new episodes in December, so we can all have a well-deserved break, we thought it'd be useful to check in on our reading of the year so far. How we've got on with our reading goals, what we've got coming up that we're excited to read before the end of the year. So Chris, why don't you kick us off? What was your goal for this year and how are you getting on with it? Well, my main goal was to reduce my TBR. 
oh yeah, and wasn't your TBR... Weren't you trying to reduce it by like 200 or something? Ambitions were had. Um... <laughs> I did think that was a solid goal. Uh huh. Yeah, ambitions were not met. I didn't follow up with it at all. Um, basically, I'm really somebody who loves to make a goal, and then I absolutely hate the process of like actually working towards it, and you know, slowly and steadily making progress on it over time. But I reached a point of like mental crisis a few weeks ago where I became convinced that a piece of stationery would change my entire life, and purchased a bullet journal. I know that feeling well. So I'm gonna try for 2023. And make a bullet journal spread about tracking my TBR, just in terms of like books coming in, books leaving, either because I DNF, unhaul, or read, um, and try and get a better like grip on it. Because that was my main goal, is to reduce my TBR, and I absolutely have done the opposite of reducing my TBR. It has continued to explode. Excellent. That's that's exactly what we like to hear. <laughs> How about you? Have you have you been feeling accomplished? Not really. No, this has been a really low reading year for me. I think it's because, as I was saying, it's just been a really busy year and there's been lots of like travel plans and weddings and all this kind of stuff. And every time I've gone away, I've taken a massive stack of books with me going, I'm definitely going to read on the plane. I'm definitely going to read at the airport. I'm definitely going to read like in all of my downtime. And it just hasn't happened. It just really has not happened on the scale that I thought it was going to. So my goal was really moderate as well. So my goal for this year was to read 30 books. And I've read 21 so far, which I think is really quite small, given how much I profess to love reading. And it wouldn't even be, I think it would be like half of that if I hadn't been listening to audiobooks this year as well. Uh, They have saved my bacon. So I'm really pleased with the reading I've done and one of my other goals was to read more non-fiction and I've definitely definitely been doing that so some of my favorite books from this year have been non-fiction so Taste by Stanley Tucci and uh, Hidden Valley Road by Robert Kolker was definitely also one of my favorites of the year so far and I've also read Normal Family, Leaving the Witness which you recommended and I really enjoyed and Oh, I can see you were trying. I thought you were trying to unmute then. <laughs> I was trying to unmute. I had no idea that you'd read that. It was awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I think I gave it four stars. Oh, no, I think I gave it three, but I think that was mostly just because the ending took a turn that I wasn't necessarily expecting, and I find the ending really sad. Oh, yeah. The, um, the ending is uh, incredibly depressing. It does take a turn you're not expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was, I think that was quite hard. And I felt that it sort of took away a little for me it took away a little bit from some of the rest of the mm-hmm. book because it felt a li- it felt very separate to yeah it is a very separate story it's really hard to say that about somebody's real life yeah but it was a it was brilliant and i listened to the audiobook and which i think you also recommended and yeah. that was brilliant because she's a fellow podcaster and really delivered and yeah, so I've listened to some amazing, amazing non-fiction this year. In fact, I think all of the non-fiction that I've read this year has actually been audiobooks, which is quite cool. So maybe that can be one of my goals for the rest of the year, or just a plan for the rest of the year, is to grab one of the non-fictions that's sitting on my bookshelf and actually <laughs> read the physical copy of it, because otherwise I think that's slightly cheating. <laughs> That's funny. My reading has been really slow as well. So like I feel very much what you're saying. My I used to read nearly 100 books a year and I have read less than 30. 
this year. So like a 70% reduction in reading. So I've definitely felt that like loss from my life this year. Mm. Um, So yeah, definitely feel that. Yeah, that makes me feel a lot better, actually, because I think last year I read, I want to say it was a close to 40, so I've not had, well, I mean, that's still a 50% reduction as it stands, because I, I should like to think I'll get through at least another four books by the end of the year, maybe four or five, yeah. but I don't think I'm going to get through nine, unless, I remember a couple of years ago, Jenny got to this point in the year and started reading really, really tiny books just to kind of meet her reading goal. <laughs> Jenny, that doesn't count. Cheater. Cheating. But maybe I might try that because I was making a list of books I was hoping to read in the rest of the year. And one of them was To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara. Oh my God, that's huge. Yeah, I think if I try and do that, I'm not going to be meeting any reading goals. So... <laughs> Do you kind of get, as we're going into talking about what's on our TBR, do you kind of get a little bit like superstitious about what you end your year on? Because I do. I get like, I want, I I feel like if I don't end my year on like a really good book, at least one, I just feel so down and like maybe I'm not setting myself up for success next year. No, I don't necessarily, but I do kind Mm. of love that as an idea. I think for me, the last three or four Maybe even maybe this might be the fifth year I've done it. I choose an Agatha Christie book to read over Christmas because I think it's just quite a fun thing to do. And most years I've bought them from secondhand bookshops, which also just adds to the cozy vibes and is quite nice. At least I know that that's going to be good, but it's not normally the last thing I read because I normally finish that within a day or two, literally between Christmas Eve and Boxing Day to the 27th, sort of that sort of window i normally try and squeeze in one extra but no i think i should be more superstitious about this Ooh. i get superstitious about that and then i also get a little bit superstitious because i want my first book of the year to be amazing yes that's a re that's a really good shout and i think i would find that paralyzing though if i tried to have the first <laughs> book of the year be really really good this year although this year the first book i read was the song of achilles Ooh. and that was brilliant yeah so, so Stanley Tucci's taste. So also, really, I set up for a really strong start. <laughs> My first book of the year was a two star. So, and look what happened for the rest of the year: seventy percent reduction in reading. So, superstition might be real. It's a good point, actually. I suppose if you do read good things to start the year, it is more likely to make you want to keep picking things up. But that didn't necessarily work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's on your TBR? So a couple of things are on my TBR outside of To Paradise, which I will read at some point, but I just haven't found the right moment. So the Agatha Christie I've chosen for this year is Crooked House. Are you very familiar with Agatha Christie? Like I read the book, which I only know the offensive title of now, and I can't remember the unoffensive uh, title. It's it's now known as And Then There Were None. Thank you. If... Yes, that was not what my copy was called. Um, no. So no, no, no. Yeah, I read it, that it's the one and... that's it's the one that's on an island and they get picked yes. off one by one. Yeah, that's yes. and then there were fantastic book. Mm. Um, and then I've read one of the Puro mysteries, I think. Fair, but yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm still really quite new to Agatha Christie, and I've only really I'm only really reading them at Christmas because mm. if I do that and I read all of them, then I will have enough to last me 
decades i think yeah, to be honest life, which, is quite, which is quite fun to be honest i'm sure this will not last more than a few years but so I've, so far i've read and then there were none murder on the orient express death on the nile and the pale horse which is no it's not it's part of a group of books but i think it's like one of her smaller kind of groupings and it's quite a loose grouping as well which actually I do quite like about her that the Poirot and Miss Marple they don't actually follow an order specifically if you read them in a totally random order then you're not actually going to lose anything which is quite cool yeah so but this year I've picked up Crooked House which is a friend of a friend recommended this one to me she was like it's my favorite Agatha Christie you will hopefully love it and the description just sounds amazing. So the Leonides are one big happy family living in a sprawling ramshackle mansion. That is, until the head of the household, Aristide, is murdered with a fatal barbiturate injection. Suspicion naturally falls on the old man's young widow, 50 years his junior. But the murderer has reckoned without the tenacity of Charles Hayward, fiancé of the late millionaire's granddaughter. And then... There's a quote from Agatha Christie, which is, writing Crooked House was a pure pleasure and I feel justified in my belief that it is one of my best. I've never heard of an author blurbing their own (laughs) book like that. (laughs) I know, I love her. (laughs) Just think it's great. Superb, Agatha Christie. Superb, absolutely (laughs) wonderful. Uh, I just think this sounds great. I think it sounds like it's got real vibes of Knives Out. Um, I've not seen it. (gasps) Oh, it's really good. It's well worth a watch. It's very, it's quite silly. And apparently there's a second one coming quite soon. Okay. So I would I would recommend if you kind of need a lighthearted, but also not totally lighthearted, uh, watch at some point. It's a, it is, it is good. Um, Daniel Craig's slightly dodgy accent aside. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm really excited to read that. And the other one that I started, but didn't get very far with, but I think that was just more because my brain wasn't in the right place for it, is Bewilderment by Richard Powers. Mm, okay. So this one is an Oprah book club selection. It's also quite a nice size. It's not giant. So this should hopefully work in my favour. It's like 300 pages. And it's basically, I think it's a little bit depressing, which is why I didn't get very far with it, but I'm hoping it's going to get a little bit more uplifting. So the premise is it's a father who has been recently widowed, and his son is unusual, basically, and sort of atypical. And there's a little bit at the beginning, I've read the first couple of chapters, where they talk, he talks a little bit about how he's very anti-labelling and how he doesn't actually see that that's necessarily particularly beneficial to put kind of labels on his son. But from what I've read so far, Many people would probably label this child with a form of autism, some uh, something within the within the spectrum, um, and it seems to be like it's going to be quite a beautiful description of their relationship and quite a solid character study of the two of them and and how their relationship works. And so far, it's really it is really very lovely. And the father is an astrobiologist which apparently is a real thing, which I think is quite cool. So he basically is looking for life on other planets, uh, whether that's plant life or non-plant life. And 
I just think it's it's quite, I can say it's quite kind of a specific relationship story. And I think it's really nice to see a relationship story between a father and son, and particularly one where so far it feels like a very positive story. But the there's definitely strong senses of isolation and kind of the grief that's definitely a very strong part of their relationship at the, at the point that we're coming across them is quite a big plot line so I think that's worth being aware of if anyone's looking to pick, pick this one up but Richard Powers also wrote The Overstory which I haven't read but was shortlisted for the booker did it win the I believe booker? so it, I think it was it, just shortlisted I don't think it won maybe it no did. let's have a quick look uh it won the Pulitzer Prize oh wow in 2019 so you know Richard Powers knows how to write a good book and this one is seemingly very good but yeah there's a lot of the sort of a lot of the quotes on the cover are things like moving this book had me in tears both (laughs) touching and finely written so when i say it seems a bit depressing that that might be why (laughs) yeah um that's really interesting Mm. um what i have on my tbr that i'm like absolutely desperate to read this year and it's one they've had for a while is this like book that like has flown completely under my radar um, and I feel like I know a lot of, like, early 90s weird fantasy books. Um, and it's this book here called The Interior Life by Catherine Blake, which if I had just seen it in a bookstore, I would have totally passed it by. Because it doesn't have, like, that special of a cover or even that special of a little blurb or anything. But I found out what it's about. And I was like, that sounds completely brilliant. And it's about this woman who lives in our world, and she's, like, a housewife with all these very, like, traditional expectations. She's a part of her kids PTA she's extremely bored and dissatisfied with her life and she finds herself daydreaming all the time while she's doing the dishes and stuff like that and finds herself like entering into this fantasy world and having quests in her mind and I think the kind of question is is it real or is it her imagination because she's a bored housewife and it sounds like it has quite an interesting feminist commentary on it and I had never heard of the yeah go ahead no, I was going to say, it sounds fascinating. It sounds a really clever concept. Yes. And so, like, in this world, which maybe she's entering in her mind, and maybe she's using her mind as some sort of portal for magic, I'm not sure, she is having, like, quests and is quite important. And then in her real life, she seems to be quite taken advantage of as just, like, you know, the caretaker and going to these PTA mm. meetings and stuff like that. So I find it a very interesting concept, and I just really want to read it and see if it is, like, truly this, like, undersung classic with some really cool feminist ideas in it. And I don't even remember where I heard about it anymore. Um, But I looked into the author. Catherine Blake is her pen name. Her real name is, like, Dorothy Haight. And she wrote a whole bunch of, like, short fiction um, in the 80s and 90s. And she published a whole lot in, like, Marion Zimmer Bradley's Sword and Sorceress anthologies. But she never really published a whole lot of novels outside of this one. Huh. That sounds sounds really cool. I'm very intrigued to hear your thoughts on this one. It's either going to be, like, awesome and, like, totally underrated and just, like, or just be a complete (laughs) not good at all. It's going to be one of the two. Yeah, it'll be one of those books that's either incredible or fine. And there won't be, there won't probably be anything in between. So, Um, yeah. And then another one that I'm really desperate to read this year, um, and I'm thinking it's going to be the book that I try and read while I'm on vacation here in a few weeks, is going to be Hilled by Nicola Griffith. Oh, I've not heard of this one either. No. Okay, so it's set in like 
8th century England or Scotland, I can't remember. Um, and it's about a woman named St. Hilda of Whitby, who was a real saint. If it's Whitby, then that's England, but on the northeast okay. coast. So like quite close to Scotland. Resident expert, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and basically, I guess St. Hilda, which I had never knew idea about who she was. Her uncle was a king of Northumbria, I believe. And when he was kind of rising to power, it was believed that she had like prophetic abilities. Um, and so from a young age, he wanted her kind of at his side in his court to kind of service his realm. But I think the book makes it pretty clear that actually she's not a prophetic person. Instead, she's just a very perceptive young woman who's able to kind of tell people what they need to hear and guide them politically uh, through these different situations. And it kind of follows her life. And it just sounds really good and just kind of like this big kind of epic historical fiction with maybe just like twinges of fantasy. And it's supposed to have a sequel coming out next year. It came out to huge acclaim and praise back in like 2011. And then it hasn't really, um, you know, uh, had, it was supposed to have a sequel. And then there hadn't been any update on the sequel. But now it looks like from the publisher's details, we're supposed to be getting a sequel next year. And something I find very funny is that on the back of the book are a collection of authors that I just never thought I would see together. Oh, I'm really intrigued. Who's that? Neil Stevenson, Dorothy Allison, author of Bastard Out of Carolina, Manda Scott, a crime writer and also the novelist of um, the Boudicca novels, and Karen Joy Fowler. That is a weird combination. In addition, it's got another blurb on it from Val McDermott, the crime writer. Isn't that weird? That is really strange. Really, really strange. If all these like different people from like varying backgrounds are all saying the same thing about how amazing it is, it must be right. That's true. That's really cool. Yeah. So I've just done a quick Google of Hilda of Whitby because she's not someone I'm massively familiar with, but there is a college that my sister-in-law went to, well, a university called University of Durham, which my sister-in-law went to, and she actually was at the College of Hillbead, which is named partly off as in it's known as Hillbead but it's the College of St Hilda and St Bede and that's named for Hilda of Whitby. Interesting. She is some classic person in the north because Durham's not that far from Whitby in the grand scheme of things so obviously there's links across the area. Maybe I'll buy this for her for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) There's one other that I'm kind of I'm dithering about whether to pick up or not and it's Matthew Perry's new autobiography friends lovers and the big terrible thing i'm weirdly kind of intrigued i just think he's an asshole really why do you think that i've just heard nothing but bad things about him like i've never heard anyone be like oh matthew perry's such a great guy the thing that makes me feel like this may be true is because apparently he a couple of times in the book says like really unkind things about keanu reeves who is famously like the nicest person in hollywood and it it does say quite a lot that you would pick Keanu Reeves to sort of drag, and I don't know why, and I'm just quite intrigued by that. <laughs> I don't know, I've read a couple of books about, have I read a couple or at least one book about addiction and sort of mental illness and stuff recently in the last sort of year or so, and yeah, it kind of, it's a very strong theme in Normal Family by Krista Bilton, which I read a couple of months ago, and... I just think 
talking more about addiction is never necessarily going to be a bad thing and somebody of his you know his fame I suppose talking about it in a very open way is never going to be a bad thing but I'm not sure therefore if I'm just interested in reading about the gory details which then feels really unkind and unfair or if I'm genuinely interested in what he specifically has to say so I don't know I think it's that I've also just seen a lot of press about it recently and that just makes me quite intrigued but I'm a bit up and down on whether I want to read it or not. Are you a big Friends fan? I'm a I'm a big fan insofar as it's very much a comfort watch for me. I will mm-hmm. always, if I'm sort of scroll, if I need to just watch something completely mindless or I need to kind of have a complete brain switch off, it is one of the shows that I would revert to. Mm-hmm. But I'm not one of these people who would go to all of like, the expos or kind of the kind of the themed things if i was in new york i wouldn't seek out any of the kind of filming spots or anything like that it would be yeah same yeah like i enjoy it i enjoy watching it but i wouldn't say i'm like a mega fan like i know a lot of people are it was a huge part of my childhood like it was like always on but like i don't know i've never it's never been something i've like massively stayed with i think it takes a lot for me to want to pick up a celebrity memoir same it's not a genre that I generally lean into at all. There's been a few that I've read over the years that have been good. Like, I really liked Lauren Graham's Talking As Fast As I Can, which was, like, a <laughs> totally, like, comfort listen. Like, just, it felt like just, I don't know how to describe it. Like, someone was hugging you with a warm blanket if you were a fan of Gilmore Girls. And there's been a few others over the years, but a lot of them I've just never been massively intrigued by. Yeah, I think if I felt like he was more of a good person... <laughs> I'd be more intrigued to pick his up. No, I think that's fair. I think, for me, the thing that gets me to pick up a celebrity memoir or celebrity biography is when there's something, when there's like a specific like subplot around it. So yeah. I know I've mentioned Stanley Tucci's taste a couple of times, and obviously that mm. was a really interesting exploration of kind of his life through food rather than just kind of being like and here are all of these great things that I've done which obviously all come out throughout the book anyway but it's just a specific lens which makes it quite interesting whereas and that's why I'm wondering if if that will happen with Matthew Perry's but I don't know I'm not Hmm. I'm not obsessed with the idea I'm not like desperate to go and get it but yeah I'm just wondering if it could be a good quick interesting read but we'll see how I feel the other book that's on my radar for wanting to read by the end of the year, but I'm not going to commit to it, but it's one that I would like to, is The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. <gasps> oh, it's so good. It was I know. on. Did you, did you listen to our episode? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, so I know you love it. And it's been one that I've been wanting to read for years. And I actually went on my, I went on vacation with my grandmother a couple of years ago. And we were like, oh, we should listen to an audiobook on the way there. I knew we shouldn't have done it because me and my grand I love my grandmother. We have just absolutely the most opposite book taste in the world. If she tells me she likes something, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to read that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was loving the audiobook. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And I got, I think we got through like five or six chapters and my grandmother was just hating it. And so we turned it off, but I was like, Damn it, I was loving it. So oh. <laughs> I'm really hoping to like actually read it physically because I just think it's going to be amazing. I'm always so torn on when I want to read that book, though, because it's big. And so I want to pick it up in the wintertime. But then it's set in Africa. And so I want to pick it up in the summertime. And I always go back and forth, back and forth. 
when is the best atmosphere to read it in? I would say, I would say just pick it up and read it. I yeah. don't think there's <laughs> necessarily a bad time to read it. It really is very, 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 very good. And I think because you wouldn't be reading it in Africa, it would, it doesn't really matter that yeah. the setting is so different. And I think actually some of that comes out really well in the book is the, the fact that it's such an alien environment yeah. for the characters to be in. So the fact that it would be very, very different from where you would be reading it would probably feel quite good in some ways and quite relatable. But yeah. I mean, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Are you going to read a new one? Demon Copperhead? I probably will at some point. And actually, I've got, what's it called? The Bean Trees. That's yeah. actually, I picked up earlier in the year at a secondhand bookshop and haven't read. So I might try and whiz through that. But to be honest, the last book of hers that I tried to read was The Lacuna, which mm -hmm. I know a lot of people really love. And I'm not sure if it's just because I tried to read it in March of 2020, when obviously my mind was on other things, but I couldn't get into it. Hmm. But then... I did have this with the Poisonwood Bible as well. It took me three attempts to read the Poisonwood Bible. Oh, really? Yeah, which is really weird that it's now one of my favourites. But yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get into it at first. I was like, I don't really know why I'm doing this. So I think I probably just need to try again. But I'm assuming from your, yeah, that you're not a fan of the bean people. Or the bean trees. I've never tried any of her books. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. Those are why I'm kind of on my reading horizons here for finishing up the year. I'm I'm quite excited about them. I'm especially finally excited excited to finally get to this interior life book and see if I have discovered something. Something special. That's my that's my hope. The only other one that I'm quite excited about, but I'm not going to buy it for myself because I think this would be a really good book to gift to people and I will tell people in my real life that I would like this book. It's called The Little Library Parties which is actually a cookbook. Her, it's by Kate Young. And I think I've talked a little bit about her cookbooks before because her whole thing is that she writes cookbooks based on the food from novels. So she is oh. an absolutely prolific. She's an incredibly prolific reader. And she's released, I think, three standard cookbooks. And this is her second like specialist one. There was one that came out last year, which was The Little Library Christmas. So it's all kind of Christmas food based on kind of Christmas scenes in novels and things like that, which is amazing. And this one is all about parties. So there's recipes for cocktails from The Great Gatsby and recipe for like canapes from various other books. I'm really hoping that somebody gets this for me and I will probably read it like a novel because I have done that with all of her other books and they are really, really good. She's a brilliant writer. She's actually just been, her first novel has just been picked up, I think by hang on a sec i can't think who it is who the publishers are but apparently it was like a real very like hot debate as to who was going to who was going to get her which is quite cool and it's like going to be like a queer fiction novel and about like breakups and new relationships and stuff which i just think is really really interesting and the way she writes these cookbooks is amazing so i think her her first novel is going to be fantastic as well. So that's coming, I think, next year, which will be very exciting. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm looking at her cookbooks right now. Look really good. Ooh. They're really cool. They are really good. I think they're available in the US as well. It looks so yummy. And what's interesting as well, particularly with the Christmas one, is that she's actually Australian that has lived in the UK for quite a while now. So she talks quite a lot about kind of 
Northern Hemisphere Christmas versus Southern Hemisphere Christmas and the fact that in Australia you still get loads of things about like snow and snowmen and robins and all this kind of stuff even though it's the height of summer so oh, that's so funny. funny oh wow and, and, and cookbooks and stuff like that kind of like your go-to gifts i would yeah i would say i'm much more confident buying people a cookbook than i am yeah. fiction and the occasional non-fiction so my grandma just saying you saying about yours and you're having very different tastes my grandma loves a celebrity memoir she blew and uh, loves them particularly sports people which i think is really interesting. interesting she's she's into sports in general but um she loves a sports person's memoir and so i'll often buy her one which is quite nice and i'll always try and pick up a book for my mum but it's she's very into kind of mass market fiction um so she quite likes a jd pickle book and she likes um I don't know if you've heard of Santa Montefiore. Um, mm. who's, no, she's a British writer. Um, and, you know, sort of kind of these very prolific writers who kind of are churning out kind of novels sort of to a year kind of thing. Um, but, you know, they're quite, they're, they've got a good formula and my mum enjoys them. And that's the most important thing, I think, is not trying to buy somebody a book because you love it. It's more finding them something that they will actually like. And if you can kind of nudge them out of their comfort zone, that's a good thing. But I think if I gave my mum a little life, I think she'd disown me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I won't be doing that. Well, fortunately, this time of year, like publishers all come out with like these big, beautiful coffee table books and stuff like that for like different franchises and stuff. Like I know the... Um... Game of Thrones, because of the success of House of the Dragon, mm. they've got this new coffee table book that I want really badly. Um, it's called The Rise of the Dragon. And it's, mm. oh my god, it's got over 150 illustrations in it. And they're wow. stunning. And it's just like somebody, this is, I'm going to like send out a PSA to my family. Be like, I need this, <laughs> please. Someone buy me this. <laughs> yeah. And like a whole bunch of other different people do different stuff like that, publishers. So if you kind of even know just like... If they're into like a certain franchise or something, there's probably a coffee table book coming out for it. Yeah, yeah. Jenny's a big fan of an almanac as well. Mm, at this time oh, of year, yes. they always come out, which are. Although I agree with her that actually, non-dated ones are obviously better because then people can return to yeah. them year after year. So, or like I've talked a lot in the past about Nigel Slater's um, Christmas Chronicles, which is kind of an almanac but just for november to february really and is amazing and it's such a nice thing to dip in a night off through the christmas season so if anybody doesn't have that and they have been listening to the podcast and have somehow missed us talking about it in the past i would highly recommend for the for the food lover in your life particularly if they also love christmas it is a wonderful book and that sort of thing i just love and it brings me so much joy at this time of year so yeah, I love an almanac, love so cozy. anything anything kind of seasonal, I think is quite good. But yeah, the coffee table books are a good shout too. Yeah, yeah, they're so much fun. I love, like, I never have a coffee table book because I know my cat will just, like, knock it off. But <laughs> I think it's, like, such a cool, like, little statement piece if it's there. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely they are. And you can tell so much about somebody by the books they choose to have in their living room. Like, the ones that they choose to have on display. We've been quite picky about what goes what goes where in the house and our living room books are quite specific some of them are quite funny so like my partner went to kind of a, a private boys school and at some point while he was there they did a school cookbook and it was like all these recipes were like 
submitted by parents and students and teachers and stuff. So that lives in our living room and it's just quite funny oh, and that just sweet. becomes a bit of a talking point. But in our upstairs bathroom, we've got loads of Lonely Planet guides because we're like, well, if somebody's staying and using that bathroom, <laughs> they've got some interesting reading material. So what's like, a Lonely like, Planet the... guide? Oh, the Lonely Planet. So um, they're like travel guides, basically. Mm, and they're Ah, maybe they're very, maybe they're a very British thing. I don't know, but they're like they're all exactly the same sort of dimensions, well, different thicknesses, um, and they're all a very pretty shade of blue. And there is one for literally everywhere in the world. And between us, we've actually got quite. We independently had quite a collection. Okay, I'm looking at them now. The second I saw the cover, I was like, "Those things." Those ones. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So those are those are the Lonely Planet guides, and yeah, there was just a shelf in our bathroom that's exactly the right oh, depth wow. for them. So, <laughs> so we have like a whole collection of them up there, which is also a good talking point for people. And a little inspiration to travel. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I yeah. think they're quite nice. I need to be better about that. My book. My books look a hot mess. People <laughs> come over and say, like, "Don't, don't look at those." But I think that's got enough of a charm about it anyway. So, <laughs> well, it sounds like we have quite the plans for wrapping up this year. I'm quite excited. I am actually. This has really kind of reinvigorated me for my reading for the rest of the year. I've been feeling a bit unenthused by reading at the moment. I'm not going to lie. I've been rereading so much, and as much as I love rereading, you know, it does feel kind of annoying when you're not like discovering something new or mm. you know, kind of getting that fresh feeling. Yeah, I've had a couple of like series of books that I've wanted to read more of and I've thought no I should wait to read those because it's good to kind of keep reading new things and I actually think maybe I would have been reading more if I had been you know continuing with the Neapolitan novels by Elena Ferranti or the Casale Chronicles or some of these other kind of cozy books that I've been wanting to read so maybe I'll just let myself do that for the rest of the year well thank you Hey, thank you. This has been great. And hopefully everyone's got some inspiration for the rest of their reading year. Please tell us. Please tell us what you're going to read for the rest of the year. I need some tips for good books to start 2023 with, apparently. Hello, and it's Editing Sarah here to say goodbye to you today. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what's on your winter TBR or on your summer TBR if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. In the next couple of weeks, we are going to be planning the episodes for next year. So if you have a particular topic that you would like to hear us cover next year, or if there's something you would really like to hear us discuss, then please do let us know. You can email us at thebookcastclub at outlook.com, or you can send us a message on Instagram or Twitter. We are at bookcastclub on both of those. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and we will speak to you again in two weeks. Bye.